Hey everyone, welcome to Life Fitness Podcast. This is episode 99. It's hard to forget that one. We Good job. I'm very proud of you. <laughs> It'll be hard to forget the next one, too. Uh, we better not. There should be some sound effects involved in the next one. There should, Armando. <laughs> Take note. Um, well, I promised that in our last episode, if you're like an avid... You're a diehard listener. Yeah, then uh-huh. you know that we're supposed to talk about cardiovascular training today. Um... And it's kind of, it's a super complex topic, especially mm-hmm. when you're studying it in school. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, keep it basic. Think about it from the perspective of a new exerciser or client. Yeah, we need the so little words, not the big over. words. <laughs> but there are going to be a few big words in here, but I, I really kept it to what I thought was most important. I always love it when I get to use my big words. I know, see? You pay a lot to learn the big words. I know, words. I learned a lot of big words. You need to use them. Yeah. Um, but basically, and I, at the end of all of this, I'll kind of share with you a recent study that I had to write a report about. They kind of talked about how to balance all the different modes of exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you a, a little sneak peek. It's called polarized training. All right. Um, but first, so in terms of aerobic or um, cardiovascular is what we're going to call it. Doing your cardio. Doing your cardio. You have two categories. So you have your anaerobic and your aerobic exercise. Okay. Right? So the aerobic exercise... Essentially, what it means is that there, you there's a presence of oxygen as you're doing it. Does that mean you're breathing really hard. It means you're breathing hard, but you can actually you can still breathe and okay. you can hold that conversation. Okay. It means that your body is using oxygen to fuel that activity. Okay. Okay. So, this is what you a lot of people might know as steady state cardio or going for a run where you're not Angie's favorite kind yeah you're not running so hard that like you you can't yeah go you want to throw up when you're done yeah you can technically you could hold a conversation there might be some pauses in Mm -hmm. that conversation um it's going to be your longer endurance training um but your body is using oxygen to break down carbohydrates and fat as fuel. So mm-hmm. that's really like the, the two differences in anaerobic versus aerobic mm-hmm. is how our body uses energy Okay. or how it uses how, what kind of fuel it needs. Okay. There we go. Okay. Um, we might not think about it like that. Mm-hmm. Obviously we're like, okay, this is a run where I can talk and this is a run where I can't. <laughs> this um, one's hard. <laughs> this one's easier. Yeah. Right. But in essence, like it's important to know how you're, what kind of fuel your body needs Mm -hmm. for which kind of exercise if you want to improve in it like I see so often runners who run somewhere in the middle of this Uh like they run as hard as they can and then they find out they can't run that hard and so the end of their run is pretty slow and they do this over and over and over again and they never really see their time improve okay they never really feel like they get better as a runner Mm -hmm. and a lot of it is just because we need to, you know, prioritize how we run a little bit better and make sure that we're fueling for that type of exercise, which I will also give. Uh-huh. So with an anaerobic um, method of exercise, there's an absence of oxygen. That means that you're breathing really, really hard. <laughs> that means you want to die. Um, <laughs> what you're doing is you're producing lactic acid and your muscles are going to fatigue much quicker. Uh-huh. So this isn't just in terms of running, like 
strength training also qualifies as anaerobic. Like, if I can do a 200-pound squat, uh-huh. which I can't, so uh-huh. let's go with deadlift. If I can do a 200-pound deadlift, <laughs> I couldn't do it for an hour. Right. Right? I can yeah. do 10 of them yeah. or 5 of them. Uh-huh. Um, so it's short bouts of exercise where there's an absence of oxygen okay. present. So in terms of your heart rate, both of them are going to raise your heart rate, mm-hmm. which is why they're cardiovascular forms of exercise. Okay. Um, but in that aerobic, you're about 70 to 80% or less of your max heart rate. So if Angie's max heart rate is 200, mm-hmm. she's going to be, I shouldn't have chose such a complex number, uh-huh. 100. Uh-huh. <laughs> then your heart's going to be like 70 or 80 versus where you're in an anaerobic state, you're going to be 90 or above, uh-huh. maybe 80 to 90% of your max heart rate. Okay. And that's just something we can't sustain as long. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also going to be times where you get to a hundred percent of your, so that's like, I've been there. Yeah. Think when we did that 5k, when Uh we were like, let's just leave it all out here. Two more blocks. There was no talking during that. (laughs) There was very heavy breathing and we hit Mm -hmm. our max heart rate or very, very close to it. So when you're in an anaerobic training session, we're only using glycogen as fuel. Say that again. When you're in an anaerobic state? So when we're in that anaerobic, 90% of our max heart rate, what our body uses for fuel is glycogen. Okay. Not carbohydrates and fat like it does in the aerobic training. Okay. So if there's no glycogen in the system, our body can produce it, which, so it uses glycogen to make ATP. Mm Mm-hmm. This is when the words get a little bit... Big. Bigger. <laughs> Although ATP is a, an abbreviation for a larger word. But so we can only use glycogen. So ATP is going to power myosin, which is a protein that's responsible for converting chemical energy into movement. Okay. Okay. So the amount of ATP we can produce is very small mm-hmm. and it takes a little time. And that's why we do this in short bursts. Mm-hmm. Even if you're sprinting and you're trying to sprint that entire 5K, like you're not going to. Mm-hmm. You're going to slow down mm-hmm. a little bit because your body has just run out of ATP. And we also have this creatine phosphate system, which can convert ADP into ATP, but it's going to give you five to six seconds of mm-hmm. power. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's like that last deadlift, right? Like you have five seconds of strength and like now we're totally yeah we need to take a rest period because during that rest period it allows our body to catch back up and create more atp Mm -hmm. so back to the basics here aerobic presence of oxygen anaerobic absence of oxygen yes aerobic we're using carbohydrates and fats for energy anaerobic we're using glycogen Mm -hmm. glycogen is sugar right Mm -hmm. that our body produces or Mm -hmm. converts um so those are your biggest differences now both of them have benefits health benefits so for aerobic exercise it's just really really good for your cardiovascular health right Mm -hmm. like think of all the different cardiovascular diseases that exist out there it's going to help prevent those things high blood pressure um arthrosclerosis there we go i was gonna say high cholesterol but Uh that's a better um so it's and even it's really really good for preventing your risk of getting diabetes as well Mm -hmm. so because it's gonna use that fuel that we've put into the system yeah um 
it's going to help improve your mood and your mental health. Like, if more people would just go for a walk or a run when they're feeling really stressed out. Like, did, was it last podcast or the one before where I said, I had to walk to work today? Yeah, I think it was right? two podcasts ago. Like, yeah. those are the kind of ways that we can handle things like anxiety and depression is yep. through cardiovascular health. Yep. Um, it actually increases energy, too. And um, I'm taking... I'm getting certified as a cancer exercise specialist. And so... Newsflash. Okay, carry on. So it's a a continuing ed for my um, personal training certificate. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm just taking, watching videos every now and then when I find the time. In your spare time? exactly. All right, Tired of learning about this, I'll learn about this instead. Uh Um, And one of the things that they talk about is... So we're going through every kind of cancer Mm -hmm. and what kind of exercise is recommended. And in a lot of these types of cancer, like when people are super low energy and fatigued, they're prescribed to do cardiovascular exercise. Obviously aerobic, not anaerobic. Right. But going out for a walk or riding Mm -hmm. the bike, even if it's five minutes, like it can help boost your energy. Absolutely. It's the law of inertia. Right. Things in motion tend to stay in motion. Mm-hmm. And yes. And what we want to do is stay in bed, but what we need to do is, is move. get up and move. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to help with flexibility, and then it does have a substantial, um, it's a good big player in weight control. Absolutely. As well. So it doesn't need to be something that we do excessively to lose weight, but it's definitely going to help you control from gain, yep. prevent weight gain. Yep. Um, So anaerobic exercise also has a lot of um, benefits. So I thought of you, Angie, as I wrote these notes, because I was like, well, (laughs) as long as I keep putting some anaerobic workouts into Angie's workout, she'll be okay, because it's going to help with building lean muscle mass. Uh So not that aerobic exercise breaks down muscle mass, like, well, that's a nutrition thing we have to get into, Uh but anaerobic if you're a runner like those sprints and those intervals that's kind of more of your strength training for running Uh um it also increases bone density Mm -hmm. so if we think about osteoporosis strength training is a huge player in preventing osteoporosis yeah and you know sprinting and weight training and any of those anaerobic movements also are going to help increase bone density yeah um I'm reading this book for school. It's called Sports Genes. Uh-huh. And they... Genes with a G, not with a J. Right, exactly. Okay, go ahead. Um, <laughs> and they're taught showing how a lot of athletes, their bones, so tennis players, uh-huh. the bones in their forearm are actually bigger than the bone, like the one they Wow, really? Yeah, because of just continuous use and like they're growing stronger bones. Curious. Isn't that crazy? And same with, like, runners, they'll tend to have, like, their bones and their legs are bigger after, like, years of running than they technically, quote-unquote, should be as an adult at that age. Interesting. So, I mean, increasing bone density is, we only think about growing muscles. Yeah. But we can actually grow bigger and stronger bones as well. Huh. Um, And then, obviously, anaerobic workouts are going to help strengthen aerobic workouts okay right so like and that's where that polarized training that i mentioned comes Mm -hmm. in so polarized training is this theory that what they did in this experiment is they took people they took 48 different 
athletes, all of which have been competitive athletes for eight to 20 years Mm -hmm. and all of which train at least five days a week or more. Mm -hmm. And they put them on four different training methods. One was high volume training. So just like long runs or, and they had cyclists, runners and cross country skiers. Okay. So it'd be just doing really long runs and long rides. Uh Uh-huh as their prime workout and uh-huh. I think they did put like one interval workout in mm-hmm. there but it was six days a week of you know you're running 60 to 90 minutes and then a couple where it was like 150 minute run like long workouts uh-huh. and then they had a group where it was at your lactate threshold which we're not going to get into but uh-huh. it's basically the anaerobic work so a lot of intervals uh-huh. um, and then they had a group where they only did HIIT training uh-huh. So they're much shorter workouts, but they have really high intense bursts uh-huh. of that anaerobic work. And then they had a group where they did all these things. Oh. And the goal was to see, like, which method of training did they see your endurance markers that they were looking for. So, like, heart rate, power output, all these things. Like, which one saw the most improvement? Mm-hmm. And um, what they found was that... The only one that kind of stood out in terms of body mass index was HIIT training. HIIT training had the strongest effect at inc- decreasing someone's body fat. Okay. So body composition improvement, HIIT was the winner. Uh-huh. But for all of the endurance markers, polarized training mm-hmm. had a significant so the variety. impact. Yeah. So the variety being that you should have some aerobic workouts in there where you're going slow. Maybe it's a... For our clients' sake, any of one who's training with me knows that, like, on Sunday or Saturday, I put just a one-hour long walk uh-huh. for a lot of them. Uh-huh. Because I'm like, I just want you to go out there and get your heart rate up, but not super high, uh-huh. and stay in that low-intensity range. Yeah. Um, there should be some hit training in there where, okay, this is a short workout. It might be 15 to 20 minutes long, uh-huh. but it's going to feel harder yeah. than any of the rest of You're them. You're going to be real happy when it's over. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then there should be some with just some intervals that aren't incredibly challenging, but are definitely more challenging than just that Sunday walk. Uh-huh. Right. So having the variety in there, we're going to train the aerobic system, the anaerobic system, you're going to get some strength benefits from those as well. I, for some of my clients, they'll have strength training days that are separate from their cardio days mm-hmm. so that they're touching on all the areas mm-hmm. because what they're finding study after study is that more variety in a person's routine yeah. of exercise wins every time. Yep. Yeah. Um, if the, the ultimately, like, when I look at this from a standing way back point of view, uh-huh. just doing something is really important. Agreed. Like, whatever kind of exercise Get you outside like. and move. Yep. So if you like sprinting for five sets of 20 seconds and uh-huh. then walking in between and you only have to do that for 15 minutes and you do it four times a week, then do that. Awesome. Do it. Um, if you just like to go for long walks every day, that's great too. Yeah. I think that there is a good balance of both of them. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like to sprint or you're physically feel like your body can't handle it, that's when adding walking and strength training is important because you're going to get the anaerobic benefit from your weight training Mm -hmm. if done appropriately. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely a time and a place for both, but the variety is really important. 
Um, which we say that about our nutrition, too. Yep. Like, eat a variety of fruits yep. and vegetables. Uh-huh. Because um, eating the same vegetable every day doesn't have as great of a benefit yep. as having a variety. So, examples of aerobic exercise, I think I've said enough of them, but we have running, brisk walking, dancing, cycling. Mm-hmm. Most group fitness exercises are going to be in the aerobic zone anaerobic we've got sprinting lifting weights interval training um you can do sprinting on a bike an elliptical running a treadmill outside any of those things uh-huh. uh so i think the biggest thing to touch on in the two different types of training is how we should handle our pre and post workouts meals okay so if you're in an aerobic zone and this is truly an aerobic zone because I think a ton of runners out there are always pushing themselves more anaerobically than aerobically. So if you can talk and hold a conversation through your whole run, Uh I would say you're definitely in an aerobic zone. It's not as important that you get that pre-workout meal in. I still think you should, Uh but to gain the most benefit, but it's not as critical because your body, because it has oxygen to use, it's going to burn carbohydrates and fats Mm -hmm. where this doesn't work is if you went to bed hungry and there's really not already in a deficit exactly so if you're not already in a deficit you could get away with and a good example is if you're going for an afternoon run and like you had lunch two hours ago three hours ago Uh you're not hungry Mm -hmm. like you're gonna be fine to go for that run Mm -hmm. the times that i find it most important for me personally to have something before i run is first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. because i fasted all night Mm -hmm. Post-workout, though, is very important because we want to get the most benefit out of that form of exercise. We need to replenish all the glycogen, and this is going to help start protein synthesis so we can recover faster. What is your opinion on when that meal should happen in correlation to when the workout ends? I really do feel strongly that it should happen sooner or than later. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of argument about for a long time it, was, it has to happen within one hour. And then a lot of people were like, eh, that's just really, like, a random number that Mm -hmm. we pulled out. Mm -hmm. But more and more often we're seeing that the sooner it happens, the greater benefit you get. Mm -hmm. And it's super individualized for how quickly a person's body is going to need that fuel. And so because you don't know necessarily, I would just try to get it sooner than later. Okay. Um, I I, I mean, I come home. I shower and I eat it's within an hour mm-hmm. and what I will find with a lot of clients too is that the longer you wait the harder it's going to be throughout the day to make good choices because you're like chasing your hunger right you waited so long that now you just feel hungry all day uh-huh um, now for anaerobic workouts if you truly want to get the benefit of an anaerobic workout you have to have carbohydrates before you start okay because anaerobic workouts uses glycogen as its main fuel source Uh uh-huh so if you don't have glycogen you're just not going to perform as high as you could okay so you might find that what you're doing is you're more in that like in between zone you don't have as much fuel in the tank you can't push it as hard Uh uh-huh um i remember a long time ago when i started doing hit workouts 
my coach would tell me, like, if you don't feel like you're going to throw up at the end of these intervals, you're probably not going hard enough. Uh-huh. And though that might not be 100% true, it's fairly true. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so it should feel really tough, and you need, you're going to get more out of it if you have fuel in the tank. It's like racing your car on yeah. empty. Like, how yeah. far are you really going to make it? Right. If you put the fuel in there, you're going you're gonna to make it. Uh-huh. Um, and I find the post-workout meal to be just as important for this one. So post-workout, the best thing you can do, especially anaerobically, because you're, it's more like a strength workout, mm-hmm. is to have a combination of proteins and carbs. Um, this workout in particular, a protein shake is super beneficial just because that whey protein or whatever is going to digest so quickly. Uh-huh. That's Obviously, if you don't digest it, though, it's mm-hmm. not a good choice for you. Yeah. Um, but... Having proteins and carbs is just going to benefit you even greater. Mm -hmm. If there's a time that you should be focusing on a calorie deficit for weight loss, it's not right after your workout. Yeah. So I tell people that really struggle with this, I'm like, think about the meal before your workout, your workout, and after your workout as it has nothing to do with weight loss. Uh Uh-huh. The rest of the day that's when you can think about eating for weight loss. Uh-huh. Like your pre and post workout meal need to be priority if you want to get I Armando hates this. The biggest bang for your buck. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like that saying. Uh-huh. But like I, what it means is if you actually want to see the benefit that you're working so hard to achieve, uh-huh. Putting yourself in a deficit pre and post workout is mm-hmm. not going to get you there. How about the biggest return on your investment? There we go. <laughs> go with we that. had to look up where the saying biggest bang for your I was just came thinking, from. where did that even come from? It came from back when they used to sell like dynamite. Like it really does mean ah, biggest bang, bang for, for your buck. buck. Yeah. See? It's not like one of those inappropriate sayings that we don't know are inappropriate. <laughs> okay. It we, never we occurred na- to me that that one might be inappropriate until I know, that's we a, just went there. I said it to someone and <laughs> I said, Armando doesn't like that saying. And he was like, well, yeah, if you think about it. So <laughs> we had to Google where it came from. And it in fact has nothing to do <laughs> with where everyone's well, we mind just, learned, just went. <laughs> we just learned something on another level I today. Two different levels of learning. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Polarized training is, is the, the way, way to, to go. go. Get some variety in there. If I had to give you a prescription, per se, of how you should divide this, I would aim to get two, well, general health guidelines say you need 150 minutes a week, which is right. super low, uh-huh. but if you're not getting any... If you're not getting any, point, that's a, yes. Um, I would look to get some type of aerobic exercise every day, uh-huh. even if it means... You know, you park further away, like, I mean, a few blocks away. Yeah. And walk to your office. Mm -hmm. Or on your lunch break, you take a 10-minute walk. Um, Or, you know, you schedule to go on a 30-minute run. Uh Like, doing some type of aerobic exercise. And then maybe two or three times a week, at least two, trying to exchange one of those aerobic workouts for something more intense. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. that is going to be a start. Like, yeah. that's the basics. Obviously, we can find some middle ground and have some intervals that are a little longer. But 
just varying the type of training you're doing so it's not all the same. I mean, even running the same route every day is mm-hmm. not great for you. Yeah. You're not going to learn. Which is why I asked Brittany to give me a training plan. <laughs> Otherwise, Angie That's runs why the I same route pa- every pay day. Brittany for a training plan because I'm like, eh, I know how far this is. I know how long it's going to take me. Right. This is great. And I don't have to think about it. There's so. something really nice about just not having to think about things if you're not yeah. into it. Yeah. Like, I'm into it. Yes. So I like to figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah. So but. my point is, if somebody's listening to this and they're sort of paralyzed at the idea <laughs> yeah. of what to do and when to do and how to do it, Brittany would be happy to I'm write happy you a plan. To. So contact her and uh, get that going. Yeah. it's There's a lot to it that I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. Like I was just telling Angie, like now we're to the point of learning about how our genetics influence our ability to be an athlete. And it's just like, it's a little more paralyzing because we don't have any control over that. Uh huh. But if we kind of have a sense of where we lean, uh huh, we can use that information to make the best plan for ourselves. Yeah. What I think is, uh, my dad has run 125 <laughs> marathons and 70 ultras. I gotta get my act together. <laughs> <laughs> I think that you're definitely genetically. I'm genetically predisposed. Do, well, I mean, if you look at what you enjoy, that sometimes tells you. It doesn't mm-hmm. tell me anything because uh-huh. I enjoy like every mode of exercise I've tried. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at what you enjoy and and you see that wow, I really have gotten better at mm-hmm. it over the years, yep. then you're probably on the right path. Uh-huh. If you look at something that you enjoy, and this is where I sit kind of, and you're like, wow, I haven't really gotten any better at that. <laughs> Maybe my genetics are telling me that uh-huh. all the hours I spend doing this thing, uh-huh. like the outcome is not going to be what I have created it to be in my head. Uh-huh. But luckily, I like to do many things, and mm-hmm. all of them have a benefit. Yes. So even if you're predisposed to be a really good endurance athlete, uh-huh. you still benefit from strength training. Yes. If you're predisposed to be strong and have a lot of muscle, your heart still asks that you do yes. some cardiovascular Yes, it training. does. It's just where are you going to excel mm-hmm. is what genetics are going to tell you. Uh-huh. And, like, there are g- genes that we're learning about, too, that influence our satiety levels. Mm. And it's important to remember because as someone who has lost a lot of weight, you might look at some not you, but uh, yeah. in general, might look at somebody and be like, why don't they just stop eating so much? Yeah. Like, if they're really that unhappy with their weight, they need to just quit overeating. Mm-hmm. Well, they might have a genetic makeup that tells that never allows them to feel satisfied Uh and you know it's hard because we live in a society that does not make it easy to have that genetic yes makeup yeah um and so it's gonna be harder for that person Mm -hmm. um calories in general do not dictate when we're full and when we stop eating Uh uh-huh um i like the example of if we both just, like, gorged ourselves in Thanksgiving dinner, right? Uh-huh. And we put a plate of Thanksgiving food on the table. It's, like, 600 calories worth. Uh-huh. And we said, you have to eat this in an hour. Like, we'd be like, I can't. I know, that makes me, like, ugh. Physically, I am stuffed. Uh-huh. But if I gave you a some type of beverage uh-huh. that had 600 calories in it and said, just sip on this and finish it in an hour, uh-huh. you probably could do it. Uh-huh. 
So, like, calories don't say we're full. Uh-huh. Is the whole point of that. Uh-huh. And so learning how... Figuring out how you gauge that and how you... When you know how to stop... Uh-huh. Is a skill. And sometimes yep. our genetics don't make that skill very easy. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. There's mm-hmm. a lot of... It's a lot of interesting genes. Like, there's genes that show... I'm going to learn more about these, too. Uh-huh. But there are genes that show how we metabolize caffeine. So, you know, there's people that can drink a cup of coffee before bed and they're uh-huh. fine. Yeah. And then there's people that, like, drink one at noon and can't sleep all day. Uh-huh. Or all night. Uh-huh. Like, it has to do with your genetics. Like, what... Does your gene make you metabolize caffeine quickly? Uh-huh. Or is it have a longer half-life that sticks with you. This is just, like, I just had this thought of, like, the more you learn, the more you learn that you don't know. Exactly. You know, like... <laughs> I know, it's kind the of... The more I learn, the more too. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just... And in terms of, like, fitness genetics, mm-hmm. we really don't know that much. Uh-huh. Like, science as a whole is still trying to figure it out. Yeah. So there's a lot we do know, but we're still learning how do we use this in a way that benefits people. Yeah. Right? Like, that's what immunotherapy for Uh cancer, right? Like, it has to do with what genes are going to respond to this drug and what aren't. So, Uh like, before Armando had immunotherapy, they tested the gene, like, the Uh genes in his tumor, right? Uh And they were able to see, like, okay, he should respond to this Uh because he has this gene. Uh So, if we can, we as in scientists that aren't going to be me, Uh because I'm not going through any more schooling, (laughs) are going to figure out, like, now that we know that these genes exist, what do we do with them? Uh Like, how can we change them? Right. Sounds sounds kind of ethically questionable to want to figure out how we can use our genes to our advantage. Uh Uh-huh. But in terms of things like cancer and different diseases where our muscles atrophy, right? Mm-hmm. That's where understanding these fitness genes got to have be. a lot of power in it. Right. Yeah. It could be helpful. Yeah. Is it ethically okay to choose your sperm donor based on their gene makeup? Like, oh, this person's <laughs> going to have a gene to be obese. I yeah. don't want this gene. Like, that's probably not. The okay. line is gray. Yeah. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. definitely some yeah. questionable areas. This was great conversation. Good. People learned a lot. I'm just studying for my exam. (laughs) (laughs) Sharing. (laughs) It was awesome. Well, what was the best thing you ate? Um, the best thing I ate this week. So Taryn decided, thanks to somebody on Instagram, that um, she was going to do a little bit of an elimination diet through January, which Mm -hmm. was awesome. Which she's heard me say these things (laughs) might be helpful to you but I'm not gonna tell her this is what you need to do or not do just like anybody else when you decide to do it yourself then that's when it's gonna be the right time for you right so she decided to do this thing which means we've been experimenting with a lot of different recipes of Mm -hmm. her own volition mom can we try this mom can I do that like she's making smoothies and like ice cream out of almond milk and Mm -hmm. fruit just like stuff that's awesome so she made this like baked oatmeal something or other for breakfast on Saturday morning and I had a couple of bites of it. Holy crap. It was so good. Delicious. Just like super hearty, super nutritious. The flavor, she put a bunch of different spices in it, allspice and cloves and cinnamon and oh, it was de 
So delicious. at about Karen's age, uh-huh. I started doing all the cooking in my household. Uh-huh. So maybe there's hope for you. Yeah, I. Um, <laughs> she loves to cook, and she loves Except to for only every other ex- yes <laughs> experiment with different things. I have learned that I have to buy twice as many bananas mm-hmm. on the weeks that they're at my house as the weeks that they're not at my house because. Right. We go through a lot of bananas <laughs> because they're making smoothies or they're just eating them before their workout or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, I just have noted that I'm like, all right, twice as many bananas got to happen. Well, bananas <laughs> at my house are like, I eat a, an even amount of them. Like I know how many to buy if it was just me, uh-huh. but my family will go through like a week where they don't touch the bananas uh-huh. and then a week where they eat all my bananas because I didn't buy enough because the last week they let them all go brown. Uh-huh. You know? uh-huh. And so I'm like, okay, okay we got to even out the bananas right. people. So I just, instead of being annoyed by the thing, uh-huh. I just buy enough for everyone. And then at the end of the week I freeze. Yep. Freeze them, them make bread, up. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm uh-huh. like, guys right now it's an orange thing oh we're going through a lot of little cutie oranges. oh nice so mm-hmm. what was the best thing you ate well um i apparently only use my in- uh, air fryer to cook because <laughs> this is like week four in a row uh-huh but i put shrimp in there this week and it oh. was really good big ones i assume yeah uh-huh like kind of not crunchy on the outside but uh-huh. like yeah nice really good. right on did but, you season them with um, I put a little bit of Flavor God seasoning on them uh-huh. that I had. Nice. I ordered more Flavor God this week. It hasn't come yet. Uh-huh. But I've had these couple of jars of it forever. Uh-huh. I kind of quit using it so yeah. much. And I started using it again, and I was like, man, why did I stop using I know, I need stuff? to order some of that pink peppercorn. I, I, that's what I ordered. I, I'm so excited. I haven't had it in a long time, so... Okay, mm-hmm. well, next week we're celebrating. dun dun da And Kelsey will be here. Episode 100. Yeah. We're old. We made it. (laughs) 